0: Lord gave me a phrase while during the last two songs really He gave me a phrase and and really a question and it's does the rubber meet the road in your life right you can spin tires, you could spin your wheels and not go anywhere, but when you gain traction on the road, you move somewhere, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you. You are Almighty God. We trust in you. We trust in your word. I ask right now that your words fill my mouth as Brooke prayed, that they would be none of my own but only yours. God, we desperately seek you. We desperately seek your kingdom, as you have told us to seek. We desperately seek to be with you. We long to be with you, Father. But I know, Lord, that where you have us is your will. I trust in that. I give full faith in that. And so we ask that you send your Holy Spirit to fill this place this morning. And not just here, but for all those watching online. Because we desperately desire to be with you. We desperately desire to hear from you. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want you to turn here. I'll tell you where it is so you could look it up later, but I want you to just listen. But this is Ephesians. Yet don't even put it up on the board or anything. It's Ephesians chapter 1. You're all familiar with this chapter. Okay, but I'm going to read it out loud. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to listen to the words. Just listen to what he says. Before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood To unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on the earth. I want to repeat that last part. To unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on the earth. See, God has a plan, and we've talked about this, we talk about it all the time. As a matter of fact, we have had many prophecies that talk about his plan for our lives. But for the rubber to meet the road, if you will, we have to understand, one, that that plan applies to us. And we have to understand this high calling that we have in Christ Jesus. I want I do want you to turn and before I do though I want to point this out that in this passage we just read it talks about that God's final goal in all of this is to unite all things in his son Jesus Christ that's his ultimate goal his ultimate goal for offering salvation to you is to bring relationship with his son, and relationship with each other for all eternity. This is his goal. His goal is unity, right? His goal isn't separation. His goal isn't pockets of the bride all over the world that don't get along. Well, they believe something a little bit different, so we just kind of, you know, we don't hang out with them. You know, I think that just tears the father up. Because that goes against what we just read. Ephesians 1, I I would encourage you this week, read Ephesians 1 every day. Just go through and read that chapter every day. Let it sink in. And, And we just read a portion of it. The entire Ephesians 1 is so powerful. But understand that God has a purpose in this. He has a purpose in uniting all things together. Now, he also knows that we're frail. He knows that, that we can be discouraged. He knows that we can have difficulty on this earth, right? He knows that there's an enemy that comes after us that lies to us, makes us believe lies about ourselves. That's why one of the, the verses I quote probably the most, certainly in terms of salvation, is a few verses down. In Ephesians 1. And it is in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is our guarantee. Right? And I've said that before. So, so he understood that in doing this, in, in achieving his goal of uniting all things, all things in his Son, heaven and earth, He knew that we would have to have this protection. He knew that we would have to have this understanding that we don't have to do this by ourselves. That's why he put in there that when you accept Jesus Christ, you are sealed. You're sealed with this power that is sent from above, the Holy Spirit who guarantees us. Now I want you to turn, so keeping in mind, his plan is to unite all things in his Son on things in heaven and things in earth. But I want you to turn now to 1 Peter. No, hold on. Philippians, sorry. Philippians chapter 3. Now we're going to get into this idea of a high calling. and And I've talked to you about this before. But when we know what God has for our lives, and, and we set a course, and we we move in that course, you can guarantee right now, write it down, you are going to be, you're going to have this force trying to knock you off that course, right? You're going to have something come against you to try to take you off that course, because that's what breeds the disunity. That's what breeds the the falling away from what God has for us, right? So Philippians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse number 1, says this. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. In other words, he's saying, I've told you this before, but it's safe to tell you again because you need to hear it again. Verse 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself, Paul is speaking, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Then he goes and gives this resume that he has for for being confident in his flesh. He said, circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. All that was his old life. All that was his striving in his life before. It wasn't that Paul wasn't seeking God. It wasn't that, that before Paul had that encounter with Jesus Christ on the Damascus road, it wasn't that he hated God. Oftentimes we, we think that there was like this 180 flip. And it wasn't that. He worshipped The father God of Abraham, he just did not recognize his son. And when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, all that he had put into his life, what he just described in the flesh, he then goes on to say, meant nothing. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. the righteousness from God that depends upon faith. Do you understand the difference here? The difference in Paul's life was striving versus believing. And that's what Jesus wants us to understand right now. See, if he's uniting the body, if he is uniting believers, he has to get them to understand it's not about them and not about their efforts, and not about their talents and what they can do to bring the bride together or to bring unity even in their family or in their church. But it's about Him. It's about all those things that we build up in our lives that we think are pretty cool. This is cool. I can offer God this. I can offer God this talent that I've really worked on and and that I've perfected. And see, Jesus just says, that without faith is dead, right? Works without faith is dead. That's not just works that we think we're doing for God. That's what we do in our lives. That's how we plan our lives. That's the direction that we take our lives. If there's not faith involved in that, then it's dead. It will not come to bring together the bride of Christ. It will not come to bring together even our local body. You know, for a long time, we've we've been given so many promises, right, here in Ignition Church, and we've talked about these for a long time, and, and just this full belief in what God is doing here. But do you understand that what he... Needs from us is not the doing. That's on him. That's up to him. He needs the faith because it is the faith. I, I want to read this again. Verse 9 and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. And then it says, the righteousness of God depends upon faith. If you're a person like a Doubting Thomas kind of person, you're going to have struggle. You're going to have struggle in Christianity. You're going to have struggles when God tells you to do something or when he tells you, this is the direction I want you to go in your life. Because he just said, righteousness depends upon faith. Righteousness depends upon taking that step that you you can't necessarily see the next step, right? And, and I know we know this, but do we actually understand it when when we're under this, this heavy expectation of what God is going to do, and God is going to do these tremendous things, but yet we're in a time where he hasn't done them yet. We're in a time where... Well, I know he's doing this, but, but he hasn't done it yet. All, all the confirmations we get are further words. You know, the Lord has told us that he will fall, his Holy Spirit will fall on Ignition Church. He's described that to us, but it hasn't happened yet. Why? It's because the very fuel that makes it happen is what he requires for that righteousness. And that's the Faith. Do we really believe that? And, and by the way, there isn't a soul in here that doesn't struggle at one time or another with faith in believing what God's doing. Everybody does. I do. Everybody does. Because that's faith. That's faith. Choosing to believe something in the face of an opposing view. That doesn't make sense. See, this over here, I can see this. This going on over here, I can see this, I can understand this. That's, that doesn't require faith, because I know how that works. But to believe this over here, Lord, that you've told me, believe this over here, this requires faith, and, and I know that that's where the joy comes. I know that's where the righteousness comes. I know that that's when you're going to do things is right over here. But see... It takes effort for me to turn. It takes effort for me to turn from what I know to what I don't know. And it takes an even greater effort, and this is what I want you to get this morning. It takes an even greater effort to continue in that faith. To continue in that faith where you may not have something to show for it. Let me back that up just a minute and and go from just base ground level. I'm not dead. I'm not in heaven. Pretty sure. (laughs) Right? None of us are dead. None of us are in heaven. So I don't have the experience of being dead and having my glorified body what God has promised me. Right? None of us have. We walk in faith. We step in faith. We continue those steps until we realize, Ephesians 1.13 and 14, we realize that promise that we're given when we do pass on and where are with Jesus. But until then, we walk in faith. Why is it that we can do that and yet we cannot continue or it's so difficult to continue walking in faith when it's something that happens here on earth? When we're claiming his promises, when he, and, and the promises out of the word of God, as well as things that he's told us, to say, I just believe you. I believe you. And you walk, and you walk, and you walk toward this belief. But then when nothing happens, well, there's something wrong. And then external circumstances come in to prove to you nothing nothing's happening and something's wrong. I don't know about you, but that's tough. That's tough for me. That's really tough for me, and it's really tough, especially when I see the bride not wanting to work together. there is nothing that gets me more in my heart than that. It just, it just it drives me nuts. It's like if you now I have just one sibling. Okay, she's three and a half years younger. Alex, she had eight. They had like a whole gaggle of them. <laughs> okay, so imagine not getting along ever with your siblings. Imagine growing up in an area where you can't get away from them, but you can't get along with them. That's the church. That's so sad. And even the ones that work together, and, and and forgive me for who might watch this online, but, but I'm sorry, this is my experience. I, I've been in, in church leadership for well over 25 years. And I would say that in my experience, I have never, listen to what I'm saying, I have never been in leadership at a church where they thought more of the rest of the bride than they thought about their own church. That's sad to me. See, I don't see that in the word of God. Jesus thought of everybody but himself. Paul thought of everybody but himself. Why don't we? See, it's a mind frame. When we get the mind frame in the fact that, well, okay, churches are local church. And we've got to look out for our own because we're family. You know, we get this, this myopic mindset of a small family of God. See, it's not that way. The bride is the most potentially powerful force on this planet. Do you understand what I'm saying? The bride has the most Potentially the most powerful potential anything on this planet. Because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Because they're filled with the very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And if they allow themselves to be used as simply an empty vessel, then the power is purely the Holy Spirit. So then why don't we see... These things happen. Why don't we see a unity of the bride? And I am convinced it's because of fear. In all the administrations that I was a part of, there was one common thing. One common thing that was the most important thing talked about. Although... Although in conversations, it was, well, you know, this isn't before God. But if you take all the amount of time talked about this item versus talked about what God wants, it's not even a comparison. That was money. Every church needs money to do what they need to do, right? And I've sat in meeting after meeting after meeting about how are we going to do what God wants us to do. And see, early on in, in, in my life, in my, in, you know, being young in administrations and stuff like that, it was easy to fall into a marketing standpoint, uh, you know, or, or maybe a, a, a business way of thought process. Well, you know, let's put together a program. Everybody's going to love a program. We'll give them cool little items. We'll give them these little teasers to just get them in the door, right? And I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm probably stepping on some toes, especially online. So what? Where in the Bible does it say we're supposed to attract people to the church? It doesn't say that. See, Peter went to the people, right? The church went to the people. And it wasn't Peter that attracted them. Hey, come and listen to this, and I, I got an iPod for you. <laughs> come, you first hundred people get an iPod. Okay. <laughs> no, because Peter had the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter had the very thing that people missed in their lives. And those who did not know Jesus Christ, the very thing that was missing in their lives was Jesus Christ, was the gospel. Do you understand what you have? Do you understand the power that you have in your life? It's the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you have this power inside of you that all you have to do is flip a switch. That switch is the yes-no switch. That's where you say, yes, whatever you want, God. I flip that switch and you take control. And then he begins taking you on a process. I'm teaching this because this was my life. You have to understand, I I come from a business background. I understand marketing. I understand what it means to build a business, to build a label, to have a name brand. I understand all those things. But see, God loves that we understand that, loves that we know how to do things, and then he just, just says, yeah, take all that. Set it aside, and let me do it. Because, see, he gives us a choice of what we can do versus what he can do. Have you ever in your life taken a step of faith and said, Lord, I I know how to do this, but I know what you have is better. So I'm going to trust you. I want to share with you, we did that with this church the one thing I knew the Lord had told me from the very beginning is he said, don't take an offering. We will, unless the Lord changes this, we will never take an offering for the sustenance of this church. He said, just put a box together, put it over on the side of the room, and let me work in people's hearts. And I got to tell you, Money has never been an issue for things that we want to do. You know, all the things that we wanted to do for Nigeria, and we're, we're a tiny church. Okay, to raise $15,000 plus in a tiny little church, that's, that's not an easy task. But we trusted the Lord, and what we fell short here, we were given there over and above. We ended up almost $18,000. Okay? We didn't take offerings for it. We didn't do this and that for it. We trusted for it. God has promised us a $10 million building. We haven't started any fundraising. (laughs) Okay? Because he told me a long time ago, if you get money out of the way, if you get money out of the way in your worry system, you're going to open up 80% of what I want to do in your life just by doing that one thing. The one thing that we're raised from very young to understand operates all of life. This idea of money. <laughs> and I, I got I to tell you, I, I know where you're at, right? Right? Okay, money was really important to me. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, that's the one thing I took control of, or tried to, wanted to, when I, when I got into college. When, my first year in college, I went through something really, really horrific, and, it, and I've shared that before, but it, it changed my paradigm. It changed my paradigm of faith, of trust. Of walking in a in a well, you'll just you'll do it, Lord, to a I gotta control this. And so my way of controlling it, because I couldn't control my circumstances, certainly couldn't control my friends or my girlfriend at the time or anything else, but I could control making money. That I could control. I could work harder, I could work longer, I could work smarter. I could learn how to do something, and I can make more money doing it. So that's what I tried to control. And I spent the next 25 years learning ways to control that, only to realize that God wanted me to let it go. And when we let it go, He's provided everything. He's provided everything. Do you understand that? He has provided everything. Now, it requires us to do our part. See, we have to trust. And th- this this message, well, I don't actually know what the message was supposed to be. <laughs> the last two weeks have been interesting because last week he started it, and this week he did it the same. He he just said that uh, just to go up there and not have any notes or anything else. And And so, you know, I'm as interested in you guys as you guys are as to what he has to say to us. But the thing I didn't think, I knew it was on faith this morning. I didn't think it'd be anything to do with money. But see, that's the thing that gets in our way probably the most. Certainly the churches gets in the way the most. But why don't we trust? Why don't we trust him with our personal finances? What do I mean by that? I mean, I quote this verse all the time. But my God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. He uses all, or that word complete there, he uses it three times in that verse. I'll give you everything. Everything. If I call you to something, I'll give you everything. But oftentimes what I don't talk about is the setting that that verse is placed in. If you go and read that that the entire chapter and read the setting in which that's in, there are requirements of us. There are requirements of us to be faithful in what He has called us to do. Don't expect God to take care of your finances if you don't give Him your finances. Don't God... Don't expect God to take care of your relationships, your friendships, your family, if you don't give him your relationships. See, it's kind of like, God, fix this for me. But I'm going to hold on to it. He can't fix it. He won't fix it. He won't fix anything that you're going to try and control. And I don't know about you guys, but... But what I have learned is America is very different than the rest of the world, or at least the rest of the world that I've been to. We love to control. I think we're born and raised that way. We love to control. Why? Because we're given so much. And and not just materially, but we're given so much even in education, in training, in experiences. We're given so much. So so maybe that breeds this idea of wanting to control because we want a certain outcome. So because of that, it's really hard for us to take that control and just say, Here, here it is. Do what you want. But that's what he wants. See, that's what he wants. He wants your finances. He wants everything that you want to control in your life. He wants it. And I can tell you from personal experience. When you choose to give him everything, give him all the insecurities, give him all of the things that you're holding on to, trying to control, especially young people. We have so many young people here. You want your life to turn out a certain way, right? You have this idea in your head of what your life's going to look like in five or ten years, And you just want God to fit into that plan. But what if you were to take that plan and you were to say, here, do whatever you want. See, that's what Paul did. Paul, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. His job, his resume was perfect for what he was doing. He said, I have zeal above all others. I, I literally went and killed Christians. I was so on fire for God. He said, I was so trained. He was Pharisee above all Pharisees. His resume showed that he needed to be a Pharisee. And God said, wait a second, that's not what I want. I don't care what you were trained in. I don't care what you've learned. I can take that and I can use it and I can use pieces. I want you to give me your life. I want you to give me your yes. I want you to take that switch and flip it up and just say yes to whatever. And when you do that, I'm going to work your life how I want to work your life. And all of a sudden, he's going to teach you. And again, I'm speaking from experience. He's going to teach you things in directions he wants you to go. That's going to blow your mind. I had so many goals and visions and all this about business. That's what I wanted. I wanted to control <laughs> all that. But yet, God said, I got to have everything. If you want me, He said, I got to have everything. Because I cannot build a faith in you that I need, that I require. To do my will for your life, that book that I wrote before you were born. I cannot accomplish that unless I can build the faith in you that I need. And building faith is a painful thing. Waiting on a building is a painful thing. Waiting on the falling of the Holy Spirit is a painful thing learning how to have intimacy and relationship with Jesus Christ, it can be a painful thing because it can't happen without faith. And faith just is hard. It just hurts. Because it goes completely opposite of our natural reaction, which is to control. It's like... When we find a path, I don't know about you, this goes way back. All the young people won't understand this because now we have this thing called GPS. (laughs) Once upon a time, we actually opened maps and actually would look, okay, here's how we go, okay. First time I went to to Liberty from Colorado, it's a 30-hour drive. I had to get out the road atlas, see the best way to go, right? Isn't that what we do with our lives? Now, maybe the young people nowadays should be more prone to faith because all they do is plug in something, okay, I'll go. I don't know. Because that's kind of what we do with God or need to do with God. Just plug in where God wants us and say, go. I trust you. You know, then you get this voice in 100 yards, make our right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. Anybody ever see the movie, RV? <laughs> love that movie. I, I call my GPS Lola for that very reason. Great movie. But basically, you go and you move when God wants you to move. You may think, oh, wait, wait a second, I, I know a better way. I know a better way. I, I, I really need it. I know GPS is saying this, but I, I know this way is faster And if you don't listen to the GPS, then you realize, oh, wow, I ran into things I didn't expect. Anybody use the feature where it tells you about accidents and reroutes you and all that junk? Okay, now sometimes it really screws up, by the way. I am not equating GPS with God. (laughs) Okay, but understand that GPS knows some things you don't know. Okay, God knows everything you don't know. So why don't we trust him? Why don't we trust him? We're we're not any better or worse off because, like Paul said, our goal is heaven. He said everything on this earth I count as loss. Everything that I build in myself I count as loss. So, So then why are we so distraught when something hasn't happened yet? or or when something in your life perhaps that you've been praying for a gifting or you've been praying for God to speak to you or, or praying for something and it hasn't happened yet I know we 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 all know of many things like that Carson comes to my mind right we've been praying for him for so long and and I don't mean just kind of you know once a week our little prayers I'm talking about on our knees all the time. He'll, he'll text me usually two to three times through, through a night. So we're, we're praying all the time. So Lord, why hasn't this happened yet? But see, what God is trying to say is, I have my timing. I have my plan. Do you trust my plan? But immediately we think, what are we doing wrong? Well well we're we're this isn't happening. God, you said this was going to happen. It's not happening yet. What have I done wrong? That it's almost like that's our first thing that we go back to. What am I doing wrong? And and by the way, that is something that you want to look at because sometimes things don't happen because of us. Because our faith perhaps isn't there or because sin perhaps isn't there. You know, a really good application to that is is you can't expect God to bless your finances and move forward if you don't give to him. It's really, really quite simple. You can't expect to learn God's will for your life if you don't open his word. Well, God, I just want you to talk to me. Oh boy, you're, you're in for a real rocky road if that's the case. If you cannot open the Word of God and begin to digest what He's saying in the Word, you're in for a long, long road. So, why is it that we think when, when we're stepping on this, on this faith path and nothing's happening, that that isn't exactly what God wants? We just read it, and, and this is what I want us to understand. We just read it. He said, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God depends upon that faith. So if we do not have that faith, we cannot build that righteousness in our lives. If you do not have that faith that he is in control, that he is leading you where he wants you to be, and you don't have the faith to take those steps with him, then you have to understand you cannot attain his will. It's it's either faith and you can attain his will or control and you're not going to. See, faith is the opposite of control. I want to read something to you. This is, um, I'm just going to read a portion of it, but this is a word that... uh, that I read yesterday. I'm just going to read a portion of it because I believe it applies to us. And and I believe that that this, as much as it did for me, will give confirmation to you in your spirit for what God is doing in Ignition and in in all of us. Now this is the Father declaring this in this word, and I'm I'm about two-thirds of the way through this, this word, but I am still... Ruler of the nations, and as Jesus confirmed to you, all power in heaven and earth is mine and ours. The little authority on your tiny earth that I surrendered through the fall of Adam, I fully regained through what Jesus did on the cross. Yes, I require your co-laboring with me on all manners of planetary change, not because I need your enabling power but because I desire partnership and collaboration with my sons and my daughters. Don't confuse my love for family partnership as a need for whatever power you can provide me. Surely you see the foolishness of the idea that the creator of the universe would need your power to eradicate darkness. I, with one pronouncement and in one moment, could eliminate all evil from the planet. This is within my immediate capabilities. However, I am not just fighting evil, but I am raising sons and I am maturing a bride. My great joy will be to have sons and daughters in my image to such an extent that their advanced levels of love will release my glory and crush the evil one. I am committed to using you not because I need your power, but because I desire your cooperation in making my story sufficiently majestic. There is no greater joy I could have and no greater glory I could receive than to have those made in my image arise and shine with who I really am in every area of society. Because of my great patience and because of my ultimate trust in my image in you, this will happen. I want to stop there for a second because this reminds me of the word that the Holy Spirit gave Wendy last last Sunday. He said, I will do this. See, there wasn't just a, hey, I'm... Kind of letting you guys know I'm going to do this. It wasn't that. It was, I will do this. Period. I will do this. That's what he's saying here. You can expedite matters on Earth's time clock by cooperating with me. But as surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge and glory of God that will be seen on my children. I am not doing this without you, but my my choice, my present intervention in your government, your media, and your economy is all part of the process of enabling you to be positioned for maximum reflecting of my brilliance among the nations. I am fully sovereign, but I am also fully committed to your partnership in the process. For I will at this time overhaul the world and overhaul your world. And I, I want to, just a few more sentences here, but I want you to understand the confirmation that he is talking about is what I've preached on in Revelation 3.9 that he is readying the bride. He is bringing the bride to a place of understanding, of unity on this planet, on this earth, at this time. Not in heaven, but right here. All those pastors that couldn't work together, they they all work great when it's at their church, but they can't work together otherwise. And that's the ones that believe the same thing. Then you have the ones that don't believe the same thing that they won't even talk to him. Okay, he is going from that, that the bride currently exists in, and he is going to, through process, bring the bride into unity. This is what he's told us now for three years. And this is what we're expecting and waiting for. And that's why I wanted to read this confirmation. Hang on, because a time of accelerated change is now here. For I will at this time overhaul the world and overhaul your world. You must not overrate your thoughts, your judgments, your theology, your eschatology. Most of them have put me in boxes that I do not reside in. This is a time where literally all is possible for those who look to me. Therefore, you must remove the veils Through which you see me. Position yourself to be in learning mode from me. Thinking you know something is literally your greatest hindrance at this time. I only can fill empty vessels. Find a way to empty yourselves. Humility is a huge key. Gratitude is another huge key. These keys will help you access the great golden keys of faith, hope, and love. I call on you to stop carrying anxiety, stop the finger-pointing, stop the angst, stop proclaiming the end-of-days scenarios, stop any and everything that takes you out of being a carrier of good news. You are ministers of the gospel And that word still means good news. Your best days are here if you are committed to faith, hope, and love. See, he's working. He's working in the bride and he will work in you if you let him. He will work in you if you let him. And it doesn't mean that Well, okay, now I got to go do this, or I got to try this, or do that. You just got to flip the switch. You just got to say yes to Him and got to get out of the way because He is speaking to you. If you have flipped that switch and you have said, Yes, Lord, I promise you, you may not recognize it, but He is speaking to you. Because immediately the first thing He starts to do is He starts to tell you, This is what I need to get rid of. See, these are some of the blocks in your life that get in the way. That get in the way of relationship with Jesus Christ. That get in the way of progress, the very progress that you want to to make. The very progress that he says he wants to co-labor with you on. That calling in your life or the very next step in your life. He wants to co-labor with you on that. So when you say yes to him, that's what he will begin by. He'll, he'll start, and, and his voice is a quiet voice, right? But he's going to start telling you, these are some things I need out of your life. And they may be good things. Don't assume that, well, he would only take the bad things out of my life. He takes good things out if we put them above Him. See, because He has to be number one. My ability to put together business, my ability to make money, my ability to, to rally people, I had to set that aside. He had to take that out of my life so that I could understand that it's Him who does it, not me. It's him who wants to build this church, not us. Why take that on ourselves? Why, Why take the result of what he says as a promise as a burden for something we're supposed to do? We don't have to do that. That's what he's doing. All we have to do is literally say yes, flip that switch and say yes, and let him begin to mold us and take out the dross, take out the things that don't need to be there. And it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. That's why he says that the righteousness depends on faith. Righteousness is not achieved overnight. What what Paul was talking about here, he was comparing this righteousness of what he, he built in his Pharisaical life, And the righteousness that came through faith, that is dependent upon that faith, came with relationship to Jesus. So as Paul just sought this relationship with Christ, remember, Paul was sidelined for 14 years. You have the Damascus Road, and you have 14 years before before any of his known stuff, if you will, really came to light. Because God had to teach him, no, I know you could do that yourself, but don't. I know you have the ability to do that, but don't. Let me do it through you. And that's a process that we have to learn. But if you keep giving him your yes, he will continually teach you that. If we keep giving him our yes as a church, he will continually rise us up and continue to teach he will provide everything we need. He always has. And when we have need of that $10 million, he'll provide it. I have no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. It's not even a question in my mind. He will, he will provide and so much more. Everything that he's doing in Nigeria, he, 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 it, it's almost like, wow, everything there is happening so fast. God knows that. God knows what we need there. God knows that we not only need facilities there, but even more than that, we need people. We need that human resource. God knows that. God has plans for all of us. We just got to give him our yes. And we just got to live in that faith that brings righteousness, that faith that leads us to following him in relationship, seeking him every day. Do you speak to God every day? You should. You want to speak to God all the time. Paul said, I pray without ceasing. For a long time, I didn't understand what that meant. Until the last few years, I I came to an understanding of what that was. You just don't stop talking to him. You know, you can talk to him while you do other things this may sound funny, but he and I have been carrying on a conversation while I'm speaking to you, right? Pray without ceasing. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. If you have a best friend, you want to be with your best friend. If you have somebody like like when I met Alexis and fell in love, we, we fell in love with each other. It, 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 was, it was that, oh, we want to be with each other. We want time with each other. To build that relationship. It's no different with Jesus. He wants time with you. If you don't spend time with him, how in the world can you expect for him to speak to you? How in the world can you expect for him to do the things in in you that he wants to do? It's because he needs that faith, that righteousness that depends upon faith. Give him your yes this morning. Give him your continued yes. And just watch what he does. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. We praise you and we thank you, God. And and we stand in agreement with your will. We desire your will for ignition that you have planned in heaven. We desire it to be done on earth. And Lord, I know that I speak for myself and, and uh, most if not all in here, we stand and we say, we want your will for our lives. We give you our yes, Father, and we want your will. That book that you wrote about me before I was ever, ever born or ever even a thought, I want that book because you wrote it. You have your perfect plans for my life. And I just stand here declaring that I want your will on earth as you planned it in heaven. So God, I receive the fact that you require faith. And Father, that's what I pray over this body this morning. Is that you teach us that that faith is what fuels the righteousness. That faith is what fuels your will for our lives. So, Father, I ask that you will always find us as a church body stepping in faith so that you can direct the process and not us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: I uh, I I noticed in the beginning uh, when I saw the title of the message. um, Can you put it back up? Would you mind just doing that real quick? The uh, I just kept staring at it and staring at it because one of the things I noticed was the the fact that the guy is is a series of fingerprints, identity. Okay. Um, But the word high hit me, and I couldn't figure out why it just kept jumping out at me. But I felt like the Lord was saying that the whole point of the word high is that it's high. We don't understand it. It's divine. And it goes a lot with the Matthew 6.33 um, mantra of, of the theme verse of ignition, which is when we seek him. The high calling is in the spirit realm. We can't possibly absorb it, can't possibly understand it, unless we seek God for what it is. But then I had this picture of this maze. I don't know if anybody's ever been through one of those mazes that's made out of, out of um, bushes. If you've ever been in a maze, and it can be kind of fun, but if you get lost and tangled in it, it can be very, very frustrating. And if you can imagine, the higher we come with the Lord, it's like being raised above the puzzling limitations of our life and being able to see the big picture, seeing point A to point B, or at least the next point. And I had to really laugh because when, Greg, um, I have not thought about those maps. In a long time, but I remember some of our journeys because we kind of had a long distance relationship and there was all kinds of crazy stuff when we met and everything. But I remember that he would he would buy these, these stacks of these Atlas books that were huge because you only got a portion of the area. And I remember one time we were desperately trying to figure out where something was. And after figuring it out, we realized that that particular Atlas book was only to the edge of where we needed to go. We needed the next book to be able to find out where it was, because it was only on the edge of that one thing, especially if you're crossing into another state. And I thought, isn't that, isn't that interesting that you, know, you, can, you can be stressing over a map of your life, but because the map is something that may, you know, it may not be complete, it may even be the wrong map. People have definitely found themselves you know, trying to go A, B, or C direction, and they realize either the map's upside down or it's not complete, or, man, I thought that was the right one, right, I'm not even in the right state. It can be nuts, and yet that's how we kind of approach life. And um, I heard Lance Wallenau speak recently, and, and he made a reference to a, to a map versus the GPS. And the GPS, an unflawed one, is much like the Holy Spirit. Obviously, they're, they're flawed, but it's much like the Holy Spirit. But the thing that's interesting is the first time I ever used a GPS, I thought, oh, you've got to actually like, either look at it or you've got to hear the next warning. If you're still, if you're GPS or not, if, it, if you're not paying attention, it's not going to drive your car to the location. You still have to follow what it's saying and then listen to the next warnings if, if you're going to not look. You have to listen to the next so-and-so miles or you know 100 feet, turn here, especially if you have a lot of turns to make. And so it's so much like the Holy Spirit. We We do have to pay attention. We have to listen daily to his voice. We have to listen to what he's saying to us. In order to be guided appropriately, because as you know, you can ignore your GPS, and it's kind of hilarious if you've ever done that on purpose. Turn, turn, turn at the next, you know, they'll, they'll keep telling you, you know, it's like you're going the wrong way, and, and, and she doesn't, Lola if you want to call her that, she doesn't raise her voice, but you can almost feel that if, if it was a human in there, they'd be going, what are you doing? You keep turning. I'm telling you the direction to go, and you just keep going the wrong way. Almost like if you just kept messing with it, it'd explode or something crazy. But you can imagine how God is saying, I'm showing you the path to take. Just listen for me. Watch me. And it's so much simpler. I'm going to get you to your destination. But instead, we're like, yeah, but I just want to do this, or I just want to ignore that. or Well, I didn't hear it. Well, I'm busy. I mean, you know, I've got to turn the radio off. I mean, you know, I've got to text. I've got to do my, th- my stuff. stuff. And then we wonder why we get into trouble. Um, so I love that analogy. Because that high calling, that high place in that title of the of the message is, is supposed to be high. It's supposed to be beyond us. Because one of the benefits, I know he talks a lot about the cost. But boy, part of it, if you read Psalm 139, he knows everything about us. Our downsetting, our uprising, all about our thoughts. But there is a verse in there that says, His, the knowledge, it says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. You don't even know how much God wants to bless your life. He really, really, he, the first thing out of Greg's mouth today was the verses in Ephesians that say he's promised us all spiritual blessings. Do you have every spiritual blessing? Do you walk in the fruit of the spirit? Are you joyful, peaceful? Do you have goodness, gentleness, meekness, all these fruits of the spirit? They are awesome. And by the way, they're not had with wealth, money, success, position, great supposed relationships. Because I know a lot of people who, on paper, have every bit of that. They're empty, they're miserable, and in some cases, nasty, difficult people to be around. Because they're so unhappy. That's not found in our circumstances in this life. But yet, the spiritual blessings are what's promised. So, that is... I just hope you take heed. This is a message worth listening to again. Because if you, if God's drawn you, which he has, except for those online, and he may be drawing you online, but the, if you're here, he's drawing you to ignition for a purpose. Yeah. This is not a coincidental, oops, okay, yeah, I let them in the door. I didn't really have a plan for them, but they're here. <laughs> That's not the case. It is, a, it is a highly divine appointment for you to be Ignition right now and at any level god has something special so I just hope that you will um again heed this and it's it's a a beautiful thing one thing